Hey everybody, welcome to Multi Multi, the podcast where we talk about the multitude of multi-site student ministry. The heart of this podcast is to equip, encourage, and empower those of you who are doing multi-site student ministry uh, or entering into that space, but not just to equip you, but to learn from you as well through this community and through the opportunities that God has given us to serve students in this next generation in such a way. And speaking of getting uh, equipped and the opportunity we have to learn from one another, we are excited to be the official podcast of the multi-site youth ministry conference being held by the youth cartel, our good friend Marco, down in Georgia at Woodlands Camp, That's January right. 13th through 15th. So go to the youthcartel.com and check it out registration is still open. Read about why other multi-site churches are bringing their team to the conference. And uh, we're excited to partner with Youth Cartel as well as with Orange students who uh, will be a part of the Youth Ministry Conference. And so speaking of Orange, Kim, will you share a little bit about our guest today? Yeah, we are so excited to have with us uh, Kristen Ivy today from Orange. And uh, she's been with the organization for, I believe, over 15 years or so. And um, she's going to be able to share a wealth of knowledge with us um, as she's been working on a bunch of different projects, specifically the Phase Project with Orange, and has family of her own and three kids. And so, you know, with that comes, I'm sure, a whole a lot of lessons, failures, Amen. successes, mistakes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Kristen, as we start, I'd love to hear more about just where you're at today. Um, but also, um, you know, what brings you so much joy these days working with Orange and what are you passionate about? Yeah. I mean, first of all, as soon as you said the word failures, I'm over here like nodding and laughing along. Because <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> that's probably one of the best words to describe. Uh, yeah. Any of the experiences that I have. <laughs> um, so perfect yes, intro. You're, you're, I, you're not alone. You're not alone. We resonate. Yeah. yeah I, one of the things that's bringing me the, the most joy right now is every fall we do have an opportunity with Orange to be on the road and it's our Orange tour. And so right now we're on city number 11 and every single year I just get, it it sounds weird to say, but I get so much joy just from interacting with church leaders Hmm. Um, because if I'm just existing on social media and I have nothing against social media and, and just listening to, you know, what culture says about the church, sometimes I can tend to get a little bit negative if I'm being really fully transparent with you. But when I'm face to face with church leaders and ministry leaders and listening to the stories, listening to the good work that's going on, I mean, I I just, it's hard to describe. I believe that there is something that is truly remarkable going on in communities with leaders who are doing incredible work um, that we may never see or know about or, you know, have celebrated nationally. Yeah. Um, but it's just remarkably inspiring. That I, I love to hear that. And I, I, we had the opportunity to be a part of the Orange Tour as you guys made the stop in Detroit. And just sitting around having lunch uh, with other men and women who are doing student ministry all throughout Michigan and the, the region. And to hear uh, the passion that they have and the desire they have to grow uh, in, you know, in their leadership as stewards of the ministry that God has blessed 
bless them with. Uh, I can't imagine the opportunity and how much joy it has to bring to to do just exactly what you shared, just to sit there and and see these brothers and sisters, some in even obscurity, uh, in, in just yeah. just being faithful, regardless if it's fifteen hundred or fifteen students meeting in a basement or a house, mm-hmm. just being faithful to the gospel and to where God's leading them. And so we're we're so grateful to have you a part of the podcast and uh, and, and the work that Orange is doing. We have been blessed to uh, to be partners with you guys in different ways over uh, probably the better part of a decade, I would yeah. say. And so uh, I, I'm always surprised too when I find or meet people who just don't yet know about Orange uh, or haven't fully <laughs> checked it out because I, I, I feel like you're everywhere um, and should be because of just the the work that, that you guys are doing for the kingdom. And so uh, one of the projects that has been huge over the last couple of years and so uh, insightful and helpful. You talk about having a kid. Uh, as soon as uh, my wife and I had our first uh, first kid, I started buying some phase guides and just, uh, <laughs> I have the new baby one still sitting in my, my office. But, you know, we're talking student ministry. Uh, I'd love to talk about um, the phases and just how important it is and what are some of those key things for um, student ministry leaders in general, multi-site or not, just to be aware of as we're leading middle school and high school students through such key pivotal phases of their life and faith. Yes, absolutely. I mean, first of all, one of the reasons we started Phase Project was a way to try to just put language around things that ministry leaders, um, church leaders, people who are working in schools, if you work with teenagers, you already know a lot of what's kind of involved in the Phase Project, but it was an attempt on our part to put language around it that could be simple enough for everybody to understand. That's great. And so it's multifaceted, but it was for us um, kind of, it was a several year project of interviewing educators and counselors and uh, ministry leaders who've worked in ministry for like 30 plus years with a particular age group. And then reading every book we could find on child development to (laughs) say, how do we understand more fully what's happening in a young person's life as they're growing up and as they're changing year after year after year. And what really changes between sixth grade and seventh grade? What's different between seventh grade and eighth grade? And one thing that I always kind of, um, you know, challenged in the process was a lot of times in human development classes, they'll lump adolescence in particular into one bucket. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at early child development and there would be like, okay, here's what's happening at 18 months and here's what happens at 20 months, you know, in a baby's life. And then all of a sudden you get to the age of 12 and they're like, and adolescence. And they give you like (laughs) a paragraph, right? (laughs) This is a volatile time in the life of every human being. (laughs) Their brain is detaching and reattaching. And it's not to be spoken about. Keep your distance. <laughs> yeah. And that's about all it would get, right? Yeah. There are actually a lot of the formative, you know, if you go back to the the original theorists who did the work in child development, they do tend to lump adolescents together. And yeah. then I was a high school teacher, so I just had a front row seat to watching teenagers in different grades. And I'm like, no, no, no. And <laughs> if you've ever taught a classroom of ninth graders and then had to jump over and teach a classroom of 10th graders, you know there's These differences. Kids, <laughs> this is not the same phase of life. For sure. Mm. And so if you're trying to help a teenager grow up and have a better future, a future where their faith is foundational to, you know, helping them see themselves in the right kind of way, helping them love God, helping them serve others. If you want to give them a better future, then you really need to understand not just 
the Bible and theology and the gospel because all that really, really matters. But you also have to understand what's going on in their life right now. Definitely. How their brain is changing, how their body is changing, how that affects them emotionally and spiritually and physically and relationally and culturally. Because here's a person that's, they're one person. And if we just look at the faith dynamic or the theology without taking you know into account their entire being, then we're going to have a limited ability to influence them. And so this was our way of going, okay, if you really want to influence an eighth grader with what they need to know about faith, you need to know some things about eighth graders. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I love it because they're they're very insightful, they're well put together, and they do really give you um, almost a key to a map. Not not that, the, a key to a map, but the terrain's going to look different, like you said, because of the life of a kid, their, their background, their story. But here's some things that you can know about eighth graders that really does help you gain a better understanding of those that you're looking to, to minister to. And as I said, as, as a parent, I found them so beneficial and even beneficial to, to give to parents some of those right. those phase guides uh just because it, it helps that parent you're like okay yeah. and and for a parent who's like this is now my second sixth grader but this one's a little bit different than the other totally. ones so um you know and speaking of, of of parents uh we know a huge value of orange is to to partner with parents and i i know that for a lot of us out there in student ministries regardless of context um we know that there's a value to partner with parents. And so I, I'm going to speak from just my personal experience. And, um, you know, we, I, oh, a big conviction I have currently is that we just are not doing enough to come alongside our parents, to equip and encourage them. And I'm just speaking in my context, uh, you know, as a leader in this ministry, I've had this burden of wanting to, to do more. And I think I can fall into the trap that, you know, I just have to get all of my ducks in a row and then I can, can start, you know, start this. But what happens is the tyranny of the urgent, Mm-hmm. And things start, you know, it, 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 you don't sit down and put together that that strategy. And so I know that the strategy is important, but I also know it's important just to, to start somewhere. So for myself and for those who can identify with that same struggle, what what do I need to do just to get the ball rolling on having a better partnership with our parents here in the ministry? I love that you asked that question. And I, you know, first of all, I think you're at a place where, you're so much further than I was when I've, you know, I look back <laughs> across just, I, you know, I lead small groups. I love small groups, especially in high school. Um, you know, I've been a high school small group leader for uh, more years than I really want to admit, but I love leading high school groups. That's and great. when I first started leading, I just, I really didn't, first of all, I didn't know that they had parents, like these teenage girls would show up. <laughs> where do you guys and come from? <laughs> I just was, I liked, you know, the girls in my group, but I didn't really know where they came from. And the only time I really thought about parents was when like, they didn't get picked up after group was over. And I'm like, Hey, I'm done. So, and you're stuck <laughs> waiting for them. You're supposed to disappear now. Yeah. You know, I mean, that sounds horrible to say, but I just, I think for me, there was a long process to even get to a place where I really, in all honesty, believed that parents mattered hmm. at a level that they really do. And so just to kind of go, I mean, you're already there. You're already going, hey, we want to do more for parents. But it's really hard to keep that perspective in youth ministry. When we were working on Phase Project, for example, we brought in um, 
you know, state teachers of the year, really high quality educators. And these were phenomenal humans. I mean, I don't want you to judge them based on what I'm about to say, because they were excellent, excellent educators. Yeah. yeah. But we noticed that two things would happen when we, when we talked about parents and the issue of partnering with parents, the longer that an educator had been teaching in the classroom, the more negative they tended to be about parents. Hmm. Hmm. And the older the age group they taught, the more negative they were about parents. So if you've been in youth ministry for very long, just know that there's just the the drift is going to be to get negative about parents, to maybe believe, you know, you've seen stories that make you kind of disillusioned or, you know, you've been trying to cooperate with parents and you just always get that email from that person who's frustrated with you and you just, I mean, it, it wears on you. It kind of dr- brings you down. You're like, hey, I am doing something for your kid. Yeah, you know, yeah, why yeah. can't you just understand this? And so- <laughs> There's just a drift there I think we have to acknowledge, and there is something we have to kind of remind ourselves and reinforce that what a parent does in the home, caregiver, you know, step-parent, mom's boyfriend, I mean, whoever the primary caregiver is for that kid, Mm -hmm. they will always have more influence than you can have as a ministry leader. Hmm. And it's a sobering thought, but it's just, you know, they have more influence than you have. They have more time with this kid. They have more time consistently over time. They're going to have more history with this kid. So they have more influence for better, for worse. I mean, most of us don't go to counselors in our thirties because of something (laughs) a youth pastor said once. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Uh, You're they. I've shared that before and it's, uh, I've, I've learned it from, from, from orange is that that parent is that primary spiritual influencer in the life of a of a student, and I share it with our our leaders that is both the you know they're they're the primary positive or for some of them negative spiritual mm-hmm. influencer uh, because of you know perhaps right. where their what their beliefs are. Um, I met with a a young lady just the other day who wants to be baptized, but because of what her dad believes, um, he's very adamant to a point of of great tension that she not, uh, and so that's that has a, a bit of a negative effect. But I think it's important for us to realize, like you said, they don't just show up um, and then just they're there and then they leave we're good to go. They're going back into homes that are having an influence on their whole person and their, their faith walk. And so I always just think it's funny when we don't partner with parents and we want more kids to come to our, our, our gatherings. It's like who, who brings them? Most kids uh, can't drive until they're in 11th grade. And even then not all of them get, and then who's also paying for them to go to your retreat or on that, or helping to pay to go on that mission trip and everything. It's like, you partnering with those parents only makes those experiences all all the richer. So, absolutely, I know that. I mean, for me too. I think I got into youth ministry and I was a high school teacher because I really like teenagers. Yeah, I, I do. I just I like. There's something sarcastic about a lot of tenth graders that I'm with that I just resonate with. And it's <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Awesome. They're optimistic still. The, they believe they can. You know, they're yes. Yes, driven a lot of the time. There's so many things that I'm like, I love being around teenagers. I don't necessarily love being around their parents all the time. I mean, so there's just a wiring that I think, you know, we're in this because of youth ministry and there's a redefining in your, you know, in the way you think about youth ministry to go, oh, if you really want to do youth ministry, you actually have to start by caring about parents, believing that parents want to be good parents, believing that parents actually could be a little bit better if we would just come alongside of them in the right way. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, and I don't, you know, usually 
go there in, in a practical setting like this, but at the very, very, very end of the Old Testament, the very last verse of the Old Testament, actually, um, it says that there, you know, it's kind of a prophecy toward the future. Mm -hmm. And it says that he will come and he will turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children and the hearts of the children toward their fathers in order to prepare the way for the Lord. And after that passage, you've got 400 years of silence. I mean, it's like, that was the mic drop moment. You know, yeah. that's the very last thing that we yeah. hear. And then radio silence. And then if you look at Luke and you look at how, where we pick up the story, um, when John the Baptist is, you know, the angel tells, you know, that John the Baptist is going to be born. And in that announcement that John the Baptist is coming, they say about him that he will turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children and the hearts of the children toward their fathers to prepare the way for Christ. And I think sometimes in ministry, we have to remember that maybe part of our job is to turn the hearts of a high schooler, a middle schooler toward their parent wow. and to turn the hearts of a parent toward their middle schooler and high schooler and to be a bridge builder, to do the connecting work, to prepare the way for the gospel that we're trying to share with them. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get it wrong because we, I, and I'll, I'll say this just personally, I got it wrong for mm. years as a small group leader because I wanted to help students know Jesus. And I believed that their knowing Jesus would help them spiritually for their future. I knew that in order to do that, I had to have a relationship with them, right? And so in order to have a relationship with them, I did all the things that I thought I should do to strengthen my relationship with that kid. And sometimes that was at the expense of a parent. If I'm being honest, I would do the things where, you know, a girl tells me her story and she's complaining about something that a caregiver did. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And you know, looking back on it, those are the moments I wish I could go back and change and say, no, it wasn't on me to try to use the relational tension that girl was feeling with a parent for my relational gain as a small group leader. My job in that scenario should have been to lean in and help reconstruct and build her relationship with a parent whose influence was going to outlast mine anyway, That's so really that good. we could both work together for the faith of that kid. And and it, I mean, it is hard because it's that add-on to ministry, and ministry's already hard enough. And you're like, now you want me to also be here for the parent? Now you want me to also? I mean, so it's extra hard work, and it takes a different mindset to to stick with it when it comes to parents. We appreciate that your 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 vulnerability and and sharing that and uh, can resonate it with it as as well. It is it's a it's a tough spot to be in, but to have that humility um, for what is ultimately better for that student. And really, that's what we want. We want them to, to grow as young men and young women after God's own heart. And so being mindful of the practices in which we, we utilize to do just that is so key. Well, and bigger picture too, if you think about it, like the parents are the ones that are going to be there at college graduation yeah. when they get married, you yeah. know? So too, yeah. I love that mindset you share, Kristen, of like, creating not taking the tension and using it for your own good but instead like really building it up and elevating their relationship because that's the lifelong relationship they're going to have we're probably in there maybe for hopefully at least four years if not longer right, um, right. to walk life with them but um, man it is so important for that parent's relationship okay. and that student's relationship to be um, probably primary um, I would say um, but yeah. as you've been in um, working with students I love that you are still a small group leader and um, you work so closely with students and you love high school students that is um, really cool 
That is it really is. cool. Marco too. We've talked to quite a few um, like leaders within student ministry that are leading other leaders, right? But they're still in the trenches, trenches right? with yeah. it. And I, I think that's so cool and so important um, as you're saying, even just talking with church leaders. Um, but you've probably had experiences where you've gotten to go around, meet with other churches, hear a little bit about multi-site student ministry or multi-site ministry that they're doing. And something that um, you know, we would love to hear from you is what, is, what are you passionate about within the multi-site world um, mm-hmm. that you would just love to, you know, have conversation about or even see um, grow or be not necessarily be fixed, but, um, you know, as we in the multi-site student world could even implement or even talk about. I am always uh, just in awe of listening to multi-site stories, just for the record, I have never led in a multi-site context. And so when I listen to leaders like you who are in multi-site environments and working through um, so many unique scenarios, you know, there's the part of me that just goes, wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, there are layers of things um, to figure out and to work through, and it's not cookie cutter. What works for one scenario definitely isn't working for another, and you're trying to sort through you know, how it works in your unique context and based on your leadership and how your leadership structure supports next-gen ministry and what the expectations are uh, based on you, your particular role within this kind of matrixy system that mm-hmm. it tends to fall into. And so I think you know, one thing is I don't feel like it's completely unprecedented. There are a lot of businesses that work from, you know, matrix organizations. And so there's things that can be learned from the business world and leaders who would say, okay, here's the unique struggles when it comes to having, you know, dotted lines here and, you know, I don't know what she spiral lines over there and however you want to <laughs> There are definitely some of those up. for sure. <laughs> yeah. But there are other organizations who've worked through it, even not in ministry circles that I think we can look to and learn from. Again, I always go back to school systems because that's just where my background is. And I think of you know, every school system as a superintendent that's leading multiple districts of schools. And then each school has a principal, but they're also responsible to the district and to the superintendent. And yeah. so there's lots of other organizations and culture to look to and go, how did they problem solve this? what pieces of the way they did it could work in our setting. Um, And it just takes immense creativity. Yeah. And team and collaboration. Um, It is a, it's a feat. And I think we um, here at Woodside, but also probably other churches as well would say, we don't have it figured out and we're still working on it. Um, You know, it's, it is quite the, yeah, quite the world to live in. Yeah. And I know that in your position, uh, as we chatted a little bit earlier before the show, um, you do have to deal with um, alignment. And so, which is such a key part. And we, in the conversations we're blessed to have through this podcast with other leaders and then offline with churches as they reach out and ask questions, alignment is a constant theme that that comes up. And so- And what uh, it really means. Yeah, what it means, how you achieve it, what it looks like. And so for you, your experience is is you're trying to have alignment within your role and the teams that you work with. What are some key things that that you're looking to, to create and foster amongst the the community of people that you work with? Gosh, alignment is so hard and it's so challenging. That's been a huge part of my job description at Orange for at least probably 
eight years now. And one of the hardest things that I think of that comes to mind fastest is that I hate saying no. Like at my core, I love ideas. I get so excited about ideas. I get probably too excited about ideas sometimes (laughs) because I'm so like, yes, we should. And it's a yes. And, and, you know, before I know it, like we're creating the new Disney world and it's like, (laughs) wait, wait, wait. (laughs) So I have to keep some of that in check, but alignment so often requires if not a no, sometimes um, a collaboration with other departments and other teams that slows down a process. And so there's yeah. things in that that can be frustrating and mucky. And it's like, oh, I don't want to have to think that way. Um, so for me personally, you know, I jump to just that tension of having to say, yes, but we need to check here. We need to talk to this person. We need to include this other yep. team. We need to, you know, have you. I feel like probably the question I ask more than any other is, have you talked to blank, you know, about this? Because it's the, have you talked to them? Have you talked to them? And helping teams understand why another team member would want to be included because there's just an empathy to that. And really the number one factor, I think, when it comes to alignment is consistently, constantly building trust with each other. Hmm. And trust is a hard thing to build and it's a hard thing to protect and it's a hard thing to nurture. Um, but if you can trust each other and you trust each other's motives and you trust each other's, you know, ability to understand your world and your situation, then it's much easier for alignment to happen. So, for example, if you're in youth ministry and you think your kids ministry will never get it when it comes to some of the issues you're trying to solve or issues you're going to deal with, then you don't understand why you might need to talk to your children's pastor. You know, you would go, well, they will never understand what's happening with teen depression right now and anxiety right now and how to solve this issue because they just work with kids. And if you don't really truly believe that your kid's ministry is actually experiencing the rise of serious depression issues, even as young as, you know, third grade and second grade, and that they're actually aware of this problem and they would like to be part of the solution, then you're not going to see why we have to have a conversation about it. And and the conversations require commitment to each other, even if it's going to slow things down, even if even if you're going to have to disagree. Um, a- another thing that I think of when it comes to alignment is sometimes, I like I said, I like ideas. I, sometimes I like my own idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it means I want to go fast to create my own idea. And anybody that disagrees with me, my personal tendency, my gut reaction is going to be to say, well, I'm going to go around you because I don't want to have to convince you because I'm going to try to do what I want to do. <laughs> and in that process, it's, I can lose sight of the fact that, hey, if your team members who are on the same page as you, who have the same goals as you, don't understand yet what you're trying to accomplish, maybe it's not clear enough to begin with and you're not actually going to get be as successful on the back end as you're hoping. And just taking the time to work with the person next to you to kind of work through where things could be more clear, things could be more helpful mm-hmm. or being open-handed to go, oh, how could we actually just improve on this and make it better before we run it out the gate? That's really good. That's I, really good. I yeah. feel like she just shared the foundation of what alignment needs to start at or be, right? Because I think often we think alignment within student ministry world or multi-site world is, are we doing all the same curriculum? Are we doing all the, you know, are we using this? Are we using that? Or, you know, more of the tactical things yeah. where she just shared 
the relational pieces. Yeah. And if you don't have those like the value first, piece that defines yeah. you. Yeah. If those aren't built first, then the rest are clearly not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that's and, and I think what I love how you shared like although there's there's times in which like, I could just work around and not go to this person in those <laughs> situations and it, when you go to them albeit it might slow things down or you know bring other issues to the surface or, or whatnot that at the end of the day it, it ends up being a better win for everybody yeah. because it honors them and honors the relationship. Um, it, it still allows things to move forward. It brings in other people to speak into an idea. Uh, and so in humility allows, you know, that idea that you had to, to be made all the better. Um, and what a great thing it is at times to allow yourself to be surprised by the input that other people yeah. can, uh, <laughs> can have in, in making yeah. an idea or even then sharing that, yeah. that passion or joy saying like I really want to see this happen and them get uh, as excited about it as as you are and so that way now you have a partner and a team to go forward with so I love that Chris thank you so so much for for sharing with us and for the the time today and uh, I'll have you share with us how people can connect with you via social and um, before you share that feel free to share any other final thoughts whether about alignment or student ministry or anything and then um, let us know how people can follow along, reach out to you, uh, and of course, hear more with the podcast that you're a part of. So, Yeah. Thank you guys so much for the conversation. I mean, the only other thought I have is just anybody listening to this, thank you for what you do. Thank you Amen. for your commitment to ministry and to students because it's hard work. It can be heavy sometimes. Definitely. And so as you're in, if you're kind of in that situation where you're like, I don't know if I can stay where I am. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I mean, there's just a lot. Um, that goes along with the work you do, but just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's um, what you do is incredible and Amen. it's inspiring to more people than you know. Uh, I know, even for me, like where I sit, um, do you know, with our teams creating content, the thing that inspires us to keep going when it gets hard is you. I mean, mm -hmm. your work and your stories and what you do every week, just face to face with teenagers, is what drives us and motivates us and keeps us you know, doing this together. So just a huge thank you to your listeners and everybody that's in this. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, you can find me. I'm mildly social <laughs> online <laughs> and uh, mostly on Instagram, honestly, mostly on Instagram at Kristen Ivy. And I have a website, kristenivy.com, where you can reach me as well. And you are uh, putting out a weekly podcast. Is that correct? Yes, we are. It's called the Parent Q Live, and we've been on pause for a little while, which is, oh, like it really hurts because I love doing Parent Q Live with my co-host, Carlos Whitaker. Mm -hmm, um, we're great. very, very different parents, and so it's fun to have the conversations with parents that we, you know, will help us just inspire us as parents. Uh, we've been on pause for a little while, but there's still a ton of great episodes online, and we're going to be back up and running very soon awesome. um, as soon as we can just carve out a little bit of margin. That, no, <laughs> that makes great. sense. You guys are in a, a busy season yeah. with, with tour and everything. And we, again, we appreciate the work that you guys are doing for the kingdom and to equip and empower and encourage those who are doing ministry with students uh, across the nation, across the world. And so make sure you guys check out uh, the phase guides. Uh, highly recommend doing so, especially if you're looking to do anything in regard to, to 
partnering with parents and bolster uh, that opportunity we have to walk alongside them to see their students' lives changed by the gospel and to grow as young men and young women after God's own heart. Uh, thank you guys for listening, for your support, for sharing uh, this podcast. If there's anything that we can do to be of an encouragement or help to you, just let us know. Until next time, see ya. Adios.